Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And now I am absolutely thrilled to introduce today's guest, the dynamic duo of Alessandra and Coco, who will be talking with us about how they use Instagram and the world of social media to help empower children, families, women, everybody. So with that very broad introduction, welcome to the podcast, Alessandra and Coco. Hello. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for being here. So a little bit of background, Alessandra, would you tell our listeners a little bit of just a little bit about what makes you, you? What makes me, me? I guess I'm too honest, probably for my own good. Most of the time I get a little carried away and having the internet for me has been this wonderful way of sharing things that I'm thinking with everyone and starting conversations Mm. around critical thinking and picture books, because that's what I'm really passionate about. And I think that picture books are just so important for families to start conversations, to uh, build literacy. They're important in the classroom and just as pieces of art on their own, they say so much about our society and what's important to us. And so from that perspective, I just, I just love to talk about it. <laughs> I love how you put that, um, that, you know, a big piece of your work is critical thinking and making picture books using mm-hmm. their innate beauty and potential to really bring people into conversations about things that really matter. Exactly. I mean, I am so excited as you, you can see the listeners can't see, but my bookshelf behind me is filled with all sorts of books, including lots of picture books. So isn't it interesting, just pausing for a second, how there was a time in the not so distant past where we tended to marginalize picture books. Oh, they were just for kids. Oh, it's just like a little thing to busy the child while we're making dinner or, Mm -hmm. you know, doing the laundry or just worn out after a long day. And now we see them as conversation conversation starters for really important life topics. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think a lot about that, about how, how picture books have evolved and how their place in our homes and in our classrooms has changed so much from when really picture books first started in like the late 1800s with like, you know, Beatrix Potter, just really inventing the genre of the picture book. And how in the last 20 years or so, it's really exploded into an art form that is much more experimental. It pushes a lot of a lot of boundaries. And I think that says a lot about how we think about children and sort of the respect we give children in that we think that they can appreciate that and engage with that kind of thing. Whereas maybe 30, 40 years ago, Things were much more simple. It was more of a grocery store type of purchase. And the people making them weren't thinking, you know, children need to engage with high art. 
So I think that there's a lot to be said about how families are changing when we see uh, picture books evolve over time. Absolutely. And Familius, the publisher sponsoring the podcast, they have the 10 habits of healthy families, love, play, learn, work, talk, heal, read, eat, laugh, give together. All of them are together. And it is amazing to me that picture books can help us do actually all of those things in really, really beautiful ways. So turning the attention to Coco. So Coco, what makes you, you? (laughs) Oh no, the attention's on me. So my name is Coco. My pronouns are she or they. Either is totally fine. Um, And I am the driving force behind the tiny activist. And my passion really lies in helping educators. Basically, what I do a lot professionally is talk about the theory to praxis aspect of ABAR education, which is anti-bias, anti-racist education, and how to build a social justice foundation in your educational space, whether that's in the classroom or at home or in some sort of out of school space. Can you say that again? Theory of praxis? The the theory to praxis. So sort of taking the theoretical education, you know, if we want to bring a contemporary example, how apparently everyone's teaching critical race theory in elementary school. So CRT is like a legal framework. It was built for law students. And so like CRT is entirely based in theory. It's like very macro, very heady up in the air. And so the praxis would be bringing in something like justice or equity into the classroom. So bringing those, you know, the pillars of social justice education down to a developmentally appropriate level to promote inclusion and diversity in the classroom. Perfect. So taking the theoretical (laughs) concept, giving it a real life flavor so we can put it to use in our lives. You got it. Got it. So thank you for being an expert in that. I really like that. All right. So when we look at you, your, it sounds like one of your Instagram accounts is the tiny activist. Yeah, that one's mine. I love that. And Coco, your Instagram is... Oh, no, you're, sorry, Coco, you are the tiny activist. Alessandra, your Instagram account is? I'm read with River. My daughter is River, so I read with River. That's You read with River. And is there also, what about the Librarian Fight Club? Where do we find the Librarian Fight Club? So you can actually find that on read with River. I host it. It's just a tag at, so it's hashtag Librarian Fight Club. And the reason that that's, the tag and not the name of the account is that I let other people host fight club. So I do encourage other people to sort of get up the, the courage to throw down a high a fight club and, and put their own ideas and, and wonderings out there. It can be a little scary because people come to fight, <laughs> but usually it's pretty respectful. It's supposed to be, I mean, it's people talking about books. So how, how, scrappy can it really get uh i don't know i imagine it could get pretty <laughs> scrappy out there i mean well you know when we get into like dr seuss people get really mad but um mm. you know the the classics people get upset over that and it's okay I'm, I'm prepared for that but i guess the whole idea of librarian fight club is that i want other people to 
start conversations as well, not just have it to myself, because I think it's really important that we have spaces where people who have totally different ideas on things like books can talk and it's okay to not agree. It's okay to not agree in the space. Because I do feel like one of my pet peeves with social media is that we all kind of exist in these echo chambers, like a bubble that you've you, you know, you follow everybody who agrees with everything you say all of the time. And then every so often you get this weird reminder, this like glimpse into this other world of people who are completely different. And every single opinion they have is different from yours. And there's never this time where you can come together and talk about something that isn't incredibly volatile. And I guess part of what I, why I do this and why I've I frame it in the way I do is because I hope to create spaces for people who are completely different to talk about picture books and to not agree. And that's okay. And, you know, this doesn't have to devolve into something horrible. We can just talk about it and not always agree. And that's fine. And that's why it's a hashtag. And I absolutely love that because if we bring that from the broader sense into the family, right, Mm -hmm. that if parents are engaged in respectful fight club fighting (laughs) and right or single people are engaged in respectful fight club fighting, we are generally then modeling that kind of healthy Mm -hmm. respect. And it's okay to have differences. In fact, we learn when we have differences. When I'm listening to somebody who has a different point of view, I'm learning. If yeah. I keep my heart open and my mind open, I'm learning what another five, ten, five thousand people have to say that could really inform me or at worst just amuse me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. Absolutely. So thank you for creating that type of space. And isn't it amazing where something as simple as green eggs and ham, right? Or you know, can become a big space for discussion. And I, yeah. Yeah. I do think there's there's a lot of room to talk about all kinds of things because children's books is a reflection of society in general. So there's a multitude of things you can talk about when you start with picture books. But I think that one of the great things about using them to start discussions is that people are less, what's the word? I guess. Reactive? Less reactive. <laughs> Yeah, they're more willing to say, oh, you know, I didn't think about that. I, I and I myself often I'll I'll put up my opinion and then halfway through that evening, I'll be like, you know what? I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and that's OK. Like, whatever. It's you know, it's fine. Oh, and you know, even more than being okay and fine, I think it's such a sign of intelligence and humility to be able to say, oh, I got that wrong. Thank you for your, uh, thank you for illuminating, you know, my mental space or my heart space, whatever it is, but absolutely being, and again, going back to families and modeling for children that parents, teachers, politicians, you know, we get things wrong sometimes. Sometimes we get them wrong a lot of the times and that it's okay to get something wrong. Just own that. Right. And I think that it's impossible to really engage in critical thinking with children in families anywhere. If you're not willing to accept the possibility that you could be wrong, Mm -hmm. if you, if you aren't willing to move on something, are you willing, not willing to accept a new possibilities? How can anybody really be 
fostering critical thinking. It's, it's not possible. So I, I guess I really, what I want to do is create spaces where people can change their mind. <laughs> and Absolutely. And I think moving to Coco for a minute, Coco, I imagine that from where you come, you just really want people to sit still and be quiet and do what they're told. <laughs> um, not I mean some of some of the times I will say that I have zipped more coats and tied more shoes in the classroom than I ever thought possible now working with mainly educators I haven't tied any shoes or zipped any coats so uh, <laughs> but I think I think what I really love too about picture books, which like Ale and um, our other co-host on our podcast, Kelly, all, all three of us talk about all the time, the trends that we see and sort of how this is indicative to the way things are changing in larger society and like looking at those shifts, because you could almost think of a picture book like a framework to have a discussion, especially if you want to use them for the critical thinking development, just like Ellie was mentioning. It provides like a very specific structure for the reader, for the caregiver who might be a little bit unfamiliar with the topic that they're trying to address and grow and learn together. And I think that's really how, how does books are so cool. They can do anything. They can. they can convince you of anything, for better or for worse. So I have a question for you, Coco, for people who want to know more about critical thinking. Mm -hmm. Explain that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. So critical thinking or when you hear folks talk about critical thinking skills or development, you're really talking about the ability as a human to stop and think about for a moment a fact. So for instance, critical thinking can look a whole bunch of different ways. It could be me reading a newspaper headline that somebody shared on Instagram and being like, hold on a second. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to assess the situation. Do I think it seems valid? Do I think it seems maybe uh a little bit finessed to make a specific point? Do I think it's satire? It's the ability to look at a piece of information and think about it from all angles is a good skill for any human to have, but particularly it's definitely a big goal to help kids develop those skills. Um, so at if, home. Oh, sorry. So sorry. if we were to distill it, then we could say, hey, parents, if you help your child develop critical thinking, all that we're asking or suggesting is that you teach the child how to ponder and assess what they hear and what they read and what they see so that they can really look at it from different perspectives, maybe not in a right or wrong way, because we don't necessarily want to go to polar opposites of this is right or this is wrong, mm -hmm. but to be able to look and study it from different angles, maybe. And to be able to decide for yourself, mm. you know, it could be about all sorts of things. It could be about Photoshop celebrities. It could be about religion. You know, it's, it's anything that you feel empowered to sit with for a moment and then make your own decision after you know that you've really given all the options a fair assessment. 
Okay, so we're looking at a picture book. I'm taking us to a picture book of unknown <laughs> title, right? And we're looking at this picture book and maybe it's talking about gender or race or something that we really want to discuss with a child. How can we use that mere picture book, right? I'm putting mere in air quotes, <laughs> right? How can we use that mere picture book to facilitate critical thinking? So, well, what I do first, which also, Ali, I'm interested to know if you also do this. So when you're preparing, if you want to have a goal like that, you think specifically about the book that you're going to use and you think specifically about the goal. So, and this is something that we figure out beforehand. You know, I don't just like grab a book about airplanes, you know, soar over to the carpet circle and be like, all right, today we're going to learn about the moon. And, you know, it has to be very intentional. Mm-hmm. And then, so once you have sort of figured out the goal, it's helpful to do a little bit of pre-reading uh, before you involve the student or child, tiny human, before you involve the tiny human. <laughs> and then typically what I learned in school, I live in the U.S. Allie lives in Canada. So maybe we don't align on these things. But what I was taught in my teacher prep programs was to think of two to three questions to ask in the entire book, because you want to be able to gently guide the discussion towards your goal. And you also don't want to derail the whole narrative of this story, but you do want to have these little seeds that you can plant throughout the story. And then that can lead to a more in-depth discussion potentially after the story's over. I love that. And it takes the pressure off. So if I'm hearing you right, I just need to pick up the book, have a goal in mind of what I want to do with this book or have the goal in mind before I pick the book, right? Mm -hmm. And then just come up with two or three questions that I Mm -hmm. can just plant. Pretty easy for a parent, right? No, Not a lot of pressure there. A goal and two or three questions. We can do this, parents. We can definitely do it. And open-ended questions. It's like asking half of a question, you know? Tell me about that. What do you see here? How do you think this person is feeling? You know? And then you just see where it goes and you'll see how amazing that tiny human's little brain is and all the stuff that they've already picked up on and that all the things that they can draw on real life experiences from. Thank you for clarifying and and giving examples of open-ended questions because many people by default ask a yes, no question. Mm -hmm. So we don't get as much engagement, whereas the open-ended question invites at least one full sentence. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you get paragraphs back. So Alessandra, how could you, what what do you have to say from Canada on this that might be different or the same? Well, one thing I certainly agree with is that you shouldn't be barraging a child with too many questions during a reading because it really it breaks up the narrative and and it it's not makes for the doesn't make for the greatest reading experience if you have a parent or a teacher you know every three seconds what's happening here what color is this like stop chill out you know if something's <laughs> not making sense maybe stop and clarify that would be the only time that I really stop in the during a reading or if I'm seeing uh, like a red flag somewhere of something that's a little weird 
I'll I'll be like, hey, do you notice anything here? And we'll like talk about it. But I don't really interrupt the reading. I also I don't really prepare in advance, <laughs> which so Coco and I, <laughs> we do a lot together and Ew. we're fundamentally a little bit opposite in so our, like, um, <laughs> <laughs> our approaches to life. Coco's very prepared. Everything is organized. She knows exactly what she's going to do and what she wants to get out of something. I have no idea. I just sort of pick up books that I think look good. And I don't pre-read them. <laughs> I read them for the first time with my kids. And so I'm actually having the same experience as my kids where I'm not really sure what's going to go in. And I'm not really sure if everything's going to be in line with what maybe what I want to be talking about or it's going to be like, I'm not really sure where it's going to go. But I, I think that's okay too. At the end of it, I do ask, questions, open-ended questions. Uh, I don't really see a lot of value in yes, no questions, unless I'm checking for comprehension. Mm. So the only time I would stop and ask a question like, where are they? Or where I would expect a correct answer is if I'm concerned that they are confused about what's happened in the story. And I want to check their comprehension because otherwise, how can I have a discussion with them if I don't know they understand absolutely it. like a, does that make sense to you yes yeah. no got it well I love that you both have such different approaches because then our listeners can feel even more secure in knowing they can't get it wrong for those who are like to be a little more prepared in things go with Coco's approach for those who like to fly by the seat of their pants listen to what Alessandra is saying. For those of you who are in the middle, take it, take a blended approach. There we I go. think, I think where we do, we are definitely on the same page though, is that if you got some really great books and you have some time with a child, you can't go wrong whether you prepare or not to sit down and read them and have discussions where your child isn't taking a quiz. It's you're reading with them and then we're talking about our thoughts, mm. we're making predictions, we're making value judgments of, you know, what was the most important thing that the character did in the story? Mm. There's no right answer, but they're thinking it through and they're coming up with thoughts about it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and it's not even like using... You know, if we want to put in big scare quotes, like so big topics, you know, it could be a very lengthy discussion about the different flavors of jelly beans. Mm -hmm. Equally yeah. valid and important because it's still, you know, reinforcing how to develop the conversational habits with mm -hmm. really young children and teaching them to have active learning and to take in what something somebody is saying and then be able to respond appropriately you know, we've all talked to a four-year-old where you're like, I noticed that your shoe is untied. Would you like some help? And they're like, yesterday I ate French fries and they were great. <laughs> and, you know, and then you're like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to mess up French fries, but like these shoelaces though. And it's like all those things that as adults, we sort of forget that we had to learn how to do, but like having these conversations can really yeah. help with all of those skills as well. And I think, oh, I'm sorry. No, Alessandra, go. <laughs> I, I was going to say is one of the things I think is really important 
for when you're having these conversations while you're reading and, and fostering this critical thinking. So the building the ability to think and to come to decisions and conclusions that make sense is that children should be allowed to be the expert of whatever they're talking about. Mm. So, you know, sometimes as adults, we feel this need to always be teaching something in a situation when, when you're reading, you're like, all right, I want you to show me what letters these are. And I want you to tell me how many apples are on the page. And there's this power dynamic where the child is just trying to have to prove themselves at every, every page. And I really think that a lot of the learning and the, the thinking happens when they have sort of the power to say, um, I know what I'm talking about and to just give their opinion. So for example, even reading something like, like fairy tales, when, when you're going through, let's say the three little pigs, something that kids will maybe tell you, oh, they should be building it like this. Or wouldn't it make more sense if, if they, they put the sticks up this way or whatever. And they have these opportunities to analyze how the characters are behaving and give their own opinions and make their own judgments. And I think that allowing them that space is really important. That's such an important point, Alessandra. Thank you, because you're right. Whether it's expressing their favorite color of jelly bean and, you know, and for favorite flavor and allowing them to be empowered in that way and state their opinion or something, you know, a little bigger, like I think that it's good that the wolf ate, you know, it's the character, right? Oh, can you tell me more about that? And allowing them to express their opinions so that when they come into the bigger world, they're okay expressing opinions and don't have to be feel like they need to be people pleasers or muted and not have a voice. And so you two are doing such great work in that realm, allowing adults to come and give their voices, but also teaching children at the same time, almost in a parallel way, your voice matters too. I love it because I think social media in some ways and technology has has made us a little more separate from each other. And what a beautiful movement you are both engaged in in helping people to come together through books, through reading, and have healthy dialogues. A dialogue doesn't mean we need to agree. It means we can be absolutely opposing forces and still be respectful. Absolutely. And I don't know, when when did it become impossible, impossible to have dialogues where you didn't agree with someone? I feel like somewhere in the last 15 years, suddenly, if somebody disagreed with you, even in a polite way, it was like, oh, now we're fighting. What is that? I I just, something I think about sometimes. It's such a good question. And I think, you know, just really quickly coming from a clinical perspective, what I've noticed is that as our world as a whole gets more polarized to right, left, good, bad, you're wrong, I'm, I'm right. And the more we do that, and of course that's been around that the kind of mindset, but I think that the more we get into our own realm with social media and we tend to follow that, which which you were saying earlier, right? We tend to follow that, which we agree with. We get more in a bubble. And the more we become isolated in a bubble, the more we see opponents everywhere when they're really not opponents. 
they're just people with different opinions. And if we pause to listen, we can learn so much. It's not a threat. It's, it's a different a opinion, right? It's, it's not a threat. And it's also, I think it's so powerful for young people to hear from the grownups in their lives that they don't know the answer and, but that you can explore it together or to hear, oh, I thought this, but then I really, I changed my mind. I think it's really important that young people are given the space to not only state their opinions, like Ali was saying, but also to see these examples of adults in their lives still seeking out to learn and know better and do better at the same time. Absolutely. I learned that when I was years, years ago, when I was getting my teaching credential and I was teaching a third and fourth grade gifted class, you know, 30 little ones versus one teacher. My first line of defense was quickly, I have no idea. Let's look <laughs> it up. I just, and I said that more times per day than probably anything else. I have no idea. Let's look it up. So Alessandra, you were going to say? I forgot entirely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do, I am thinking about this. I think one of the things that adults as parents, we should be thinking of is how our behavior online is creating safe or unsafe spaces. I think that we don't think about that enough because of the, the anonymity of the internet and social media, you know, you're just, you're scrolling around and you see something that you don't like or that you don't agree with. And, you know, you can say anything, anything at all. You can say the most horrible thing. It doesn't matter. But when we put that kind of, those kind of vibes out there, they're out there and kids are out there too. And they're reading the same things and we can't, we can't control other people, but we can control ourselves. And I think it's really important that, you know, if, if we're disagreeing with someone on the internet, we can engage with them. But I think we should really, I think we should try and engage with them as we would with a colleague or a peer mm. who we were meeting with in real life, who we disagreed with, because that's a totally different tone. I think we'd just be a lot better off if, if everyone went with that, you know? <laughs> I agree with you. I think that it's something as simple as I have a different perspective. That's it. You're saying, I think we've uh, such an important piece is being respectful, right? And we can have our opinions and still be respectful of somebody else's possibly very different perspective. So my goodness, could each of you maybe offer me an, an idea or two of how your work makes families happier, more successful, more, you know, healthier? I, I think that, so my followers are all adults, mostly parents and a lot of teachers that tends to mostly, mo mostly moms just based on my demographics. And I think that what they get from Read With River and the Librarian Fight Club and those kinds of posts is, because I try to empower people to question what they're reading mm -hmm. at home with their kids. and and sort of give them permission to say, yes, this is published, but I don't agree with it or it's not perfect. And we can question this because 
I think it's wonderful. I think print media, all media is wonderful, but everything is created by people and people are fallible. And we need to feel comfortable as parents questioning things with our kids because the authority of, of a printed book is kind of intimidating, but mm. we, we do need to be able to say, this doesn't seem quite right. And I'm going to, you know, research this further. I'm going to, I'm going to look and in, look into this. On so many levels, Alessandra, that makes such sense. And I can see how that translates into a happier, healthy family, because if we learn that authority figures, even an authority figure in the guise of a book, that it's not always something we have to swallow, that gives us the power to stand up to people who may be doing very bad things in the real world. And so it's giving a child the chance from a very young age to learn, wait a second, just because there's authority here doesn't mean I need to accept this. No, and you should never accept anything, even if it's written in the newspaper or whatever. You should always double check. Question, question, question. Yeah, you should question it. And and there's a lot more to it in terms of assessing credibility of, of who the source is. Is it, you know, some random person? Is it a doctor? What kind of doctor? Like, I, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to do with Read With River is get people to enjoy reading, but also to question mm. what they read with their children so that when their children get older, they go out into the world and they're on the internet, on social media, and they can question things that seem unquestionable. I love that. Question things that seem unquestionable. Brilliant. Okay, Coco, you. First of all, I'll put that on a t-shirt. That's right. Brilliant. <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> and second, I think also my mission aligns very similar uh, to Alice, where I want families, be they biological or chosen, to be able to use books as resources to really open up lines of communication and be able to find a space and a vocabulary for the things that may be going on inside of a tiny human, you know, that could be anxiety, but they don't know the word for anxiety. Mm. It could be about identity and, you know, I'm a queer person. Like it's it's very helpful to have this this exposure to to new and different things and education. And I think that books are really, really meaningful tools that parents and families and educators can be using. Absolutely. And I love that piece because if I got you right, it's about okay, let's use books as a way to get to know me better. Me, whether I'm a tiny person or a larger person. And the more I know me and understand me, the more I'll contribute to a healthy, happy family, healthy, happy world, because then I love me or know me and then can learn to love me and then be more fulfilled in life. Did I get that right, Coco? Yeah, I think that you uh, very succinctly put that. So excellent. Well, so well, wonderful. I thank you both so much for being with me today. I am so glad the world has 
both of you and you're very unique, but also how, how well matched you are in so many ways and that you're such a good influence out there in the social media world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And so first, Alessandra, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Instagram or TikTok, Read With River. I also have a website, which is readwithriver.ca because I'm Canadian. And also I co-host a podcast with Coco. (laughs) What's the name of the podcast? It's called the Picture Books to Gang podcast. And probably we'll have to write that in the show notes because it's a mouthful. Uh, (laughs) And we co-host it with our third friend, Kelly of Inclusive Storytime, who is not here because she's feeding her child dinner. That's a very good reason to miss a podcast. I love those priorities. Absolutely. (laughs) And so, Coco, where can our listeners find you? Well, you can find me skulking around Instagram at the tiny activists. Uh, it's plural on Instagram. And then uh, I have a website online, which is the tiny And we have all sorts of fun stuff happening over there. And that one's singular tiny activist.com. Yes. Singular oh. online, plural on Instagram. on Instagram. I really should message the tiny activist on Instagram uh, that's never posted and see if I can just have that IP. There you go. <laughs> because you like things to line up. There we go. Coco, just to give listeners one more hit on that podcast name, it is Picture Book the Gang. Picture. You know, we, we petered off in 2021 a little bit, but we're going to be Back in action, better than ever. There you go. I think excellent. So I thank you both so much for being with us today. I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed every moment. And as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com, where you will find our Habit Hub blog, as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can and will make the world a happier and more respectful place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine, 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 as only you can do. Mm -hmm.